right. Hello, everybody. It's Jeff, and welcome back to the Daily Evolver Live. It's Halloween, October 31st, 2017, and I am very happy to be with you today. And joining me, as always, is Corey DeVos, Editor-in-Chief of Integral Life. Hey, Corey. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, buddy? Happy Halloween. Yeah, same to you. You and Angie uh, taking Evelyn trick-or-treating tonight? Yeah, we are. We're going to, uh, they call it the Munchkin Masquerade uh, down on Pearl Street, where all the businesses uh, basically try to, you know, lure the money out of our wallets. <laughs> And you know it totally works. It's great. It's uh, it's a madhouse down there. You go down there, and really? There's, yeah, there's like a horde of of little kids and you know various costumes running around. It's, uh, it's crazy and it's awesome. Well, maybe I'll wander down and take a look. What time yeah, is it? You should. What time? Uh, we're going to be heading down there probably around three thirty or so. So we. Oh, okay, so it's more of an afternoon thing. Yeah, sort of yeah. late afternoon thing. Cool. We'd love for you to join us. Well, I may just see you there. Sweet, man. All right. Well, today, uh, I wanted to talk about um, a, um, just, just something that's been arising in, in the field for me. It's a theme that I, I've seen a couple times. And, you know, I just pay attention to what keeps showing up. And I guess it's best exemplified. This is an idea. It's kind of a little inspirational idea. And I think it actually maps out one of the moves as we move into second tier, the vertical move. And uh, I think it's best expressed by uh, this writer, Grace Paley. Uh, and she's quoted in the New York Review of Books. And she said, if you say what's on your mind, in the language that comes to you from your parents and your street and your friends, you'll probably say something beautiful. And I love that. It's advice to writers. And I'll say it again. If you say what's on your mind in the language that comes to you from your parents and your streets and your friends, you'll probably say something beautiful. And what I love about that is that there's just sort of a basic assumption that we're all beautiful. And I like that. I think that is actually a second tier assumption. It reminds me of Chogum Trumpa, the uh, uh, Buddhist teacher who founded the Buddhist community here in Boulder. And his core teaching was what he called basic goodness, that we're actually not fallen. We're not evil. We're, uh, human beings are basically good and we're you know, climbing out of those swamps uh, as we you know, progress. And just as all of nature is beautiful, it's hard to find a part of nature that is not beautiful in some way. Uh, that's true of us as well. And then last week, we were talking to Miriam Mason Martineau, who has done a program on integral life called Integral Parenting. And we interviewed her and, and she was talking about the practice, the integral practice of parenting and how one of the key practices, if you will, or a theme of the practice, is that you're always getting in the kid's skin and looking out through their eyes and feeling into who they are and helping them be who they are, not who you want them to be, not who you're afraid they're going to be, you know, but to honor their karma. And that strikes me as, you know, another way of looking at the same thing. And then uh, 
uh, those of you who listed yesterday know I talked to Rob Smith, who's the co-founder of Integral Life, uh, about, um, well, a lot of things. But in preparation for that, I looked at a TED Talk that he did a while back, and he hit the same theme at the end. The, the TED Talk is called The Transformational Life. And he's actually giving prescriptions on, you know, what it means to move into this new vertical stage of development. And, um, and I love what he said. And again, it's, it's, it has, it's in the context of raising kids, but I'll play just a minute of it here. Right now, a lot of what we're teaching our children is that to stand out, I'm sorry, to stand up, you have to stand out. That exceptionalism is the new average. How many Facebook friends do you have? You know, what's going on on Twitter, et cetera. So for the parent who, who kept her daughter off Facebook, you know, good for you, right? Because this is an insidious myth that's going on at the core of this, which is fundamentally about narcissism. We're teaching our kids that to be average, they actually have to be extraordinary. Well, anybody that knows anything about math knows that doesn't work, right? The math doesn't work. And also it robs us of the dignity, which is still true, which is that you're unique. You have a unique contribution to make. And you don't need to stand out in some extraordinary way to be important. CEOs. All right, so I did that. Now, how do I go back, I guess? Oh, I see, stop share. There we go. I'm learning, learning curve, people. Uh, but I love that. And I, I love the sort of simple switch that he, he talks about, where we move from being exceptional to being unique. And that feels like news to me, especially somebody who's come up through the self-development, self-improvement ranks. And, and that was so much a part of the boomer thing, which is actually, you know, just a deep bringing online of orange, of, of modernity, where we are all special. We realize that for the first time. We come out of the conformity of traditionalism and realize that, wow, I'm unique. And, you know, to the degree that we have a spiritual realization of that, which I think comes more at green and, and into integral, we realize that there's no two alike here in this human realm. There's no, you are, we are all completely unique in all of time and space. And the sort of capital R realization, deep realization of that uh, just, it, it calls forth this impulse to express ourselves. I mean, to not do that would be ungrateful for this unique manifestation of life, of, of Eros. And I like that. Uh, it, 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 to me, has the flavor of moving from first to second tier. You know, we talk about first tier memes. These are the first six stages of development that lead up to modernity and post-modernity. They're all still coming from the position that something went terribly wrong and we are to blame and we have to fix it. And when we move to second tier, we move from what uh, Claire Graves, who's the researcher behind some of this, uh, what he talked about the first tier is about deficiency needs. Something's wrong and I have to add it back. I have to fix it. And we move in second tier to being needs, uh, where we have this need to 
express ourselves and be uh, creative and, you know, get in the game and contribute. And it, it has the flavor of dropping the project of being a better person <laughs> and to just make the project be more authentic to who you are. And so I thought about a couple quotes that I've always loved that fit into this category, and I'll share them with you. Uh, the first one is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who I consider has a, a very proto-integral sensibility. He's often seen as, as early green. I think he's higher than that. Uh, but here's what he says about this. And I, this is non-sexist language. Here we go. He said, each person has his, her own, each, I'll start over. Each person has his or her own vocation. Your talent is your calling. I like that. You know, what are you talented at? That's your calling. There is one direction in which all of space is open to you. You have faculties silently inviting you there to endless exertion. You have endless energy for this. You are like a ship on a river. You run against obstructions on every side but one. And on that side, all obstruction is taken away and you sweep serenely over God's depths into an infinite sea. And I'm just going to read that last sentence again. You are like a ship on a river. You run against obstructions on every side but one. On that side, all obstruction is taken away and you sweep serenely over God's depths into an infinite sea. And I've always found that quite inspiring. And then a, a nice little jolt here at the end from um, uh, a, a legendary rabbi that's often quoted in Judaism. And this is Rabbi Zushka. And his famous quote is, when I meet the Almighty in heaven, he will not ask me, why were you not Moses? He will ask me, why were you not Zushka? And I love that. So, um, you know, like I said, it's sort of a new way of thinking about where's my next, you know, what's next in my own evolution here? And, you know, how can I actually trust that I can be Jeff? That ah, everybody's going to see? Oh, my God. But yeah, something like that. And that gets into really a, a, another piece of this puzzle that is in a certain polarity, because a lot of this work is done individually. I mean, meditation itself is just basically a, a, a frontal assault on what we call conditioned mind, which is just all of the, you know, narration and feelings and so forth that are sort of pre-installed. And, you know, until we're aware of it, till we can see it, uh, we're going to be it. And so that's, that's really important. And that's, that's an upper left activity. That's an interior of the individual activity. But this project also requires that we do it with other people. And, uh, and, and again, I got a, a great um, hit of this from uh, a friend of mine sent me a uh, article that was in the New York Times, I guess the Sunday edition, and is an op-ed column. And the column title was, Happiness is Other People. 
And it's by, it was written by Ruth Whitman, and she's the author of America the Anxious, How Our Pursuit of Happiness is Creating a Nation of Nervous Wrecks. And um, so here's what, uh, some of what she wrote in the column. In an individualistic culture powered by self-actualization, that the idea that happiness should be engineered from the inside out rather than the outside in is slowly taking the status of a default truism. This is happiness framed as a journey of self-discovery rather than the natural byproduct of engaging with the world. A happiness that stresses emotional independence rather than interdependence. One based on the idea that meaningful contentment can be found only by a full exploration of the self, a deep dive into our innermost souls and the intricacies and tripwires of our own personalities. Step one, find yourself. Step two, be yourself. And then she goes on and she says, she's talking about the research and she says, self-reflection, introspection, and some degree of solitude are important parts of a psychologically healthy life, of course. But somewhere along the line, we seem to have gotten the balance wrong. And I agree, I think this is, again, that residual orange. Because far from confirming our insistence that happiness comes from within, a wide body of research tells us almost the exact opposite. Academic happiness studies are full of anomalies and contradictions, often revealing more about the agendas and values of those conducting them than the realities of human emotion. That's so true. But there's one point on which virtually every piece of research into the nature and causes of human happiness agrees, and it is this. Our happiness depends on other people. Study after study shows that good social relationships are the strongest, most consistent predictor there is of a happy life, even going so far as to call them a necessary condition for happiness, meaning that humans can't actually be happy without them. This is a finding that cuts across race, age, gender, income, and social class so overwhelmingly that it dwarfs any other factor. And my friend Jennifer, who sent it to me, she, she commented on it, and I love what she said. She said, I'm so glad for, for, for further reports on the huge influence of others on our states and our plain need for other people in happiness. It's a rebuttal to the absurd common green humanistic psychology idea that we each alone are responsible for and can fully control our emotional states and reactions, that nobody can make you feel anything. It's a rebuttal of that, I love that. It's not really news. It was described at length in Daniel Goldman's superb 2006 book, Social Intelligence. I recall my relief reading his description of the social emotional soup we all live in, a sort of a neurological exoskeleton. Can you feel that? You know, and we are just in a matrix with other people. And yes, we're our own node. And yes, we can't get out of the matrix. And that's basically quadrant theory. I mean, we're just, reality arises in four quadrants. One is the individual and interior and exterior, so those two, and the other is the collective, the interior of the culture, the exterior of the systems. And all of those are dimensions of our own reality. And you, you know, you can 
Um, if you privilege one over the other too much, you get out of whack. So I, I wanted to actually uh, close with a, uh, by sharing a video that I think actually puts them together quite beautifully. And it's uh, by Sarah Silverman, or Sarah Silverman's in it. And last week I critiqued her new show called I Love You America, which I really applaud as an effort for the progressive left to go and talk to and listen to um, <clears throat> uh, you know, Trump voters, for instance, which is what she did. And I played a segment of that last week. And I, I you know, confessed that I thought it was kind of ham-handed and didn't really do the job and, uh, and it was a little cringeworthy. Uh, and, and I felt bad about that because I really love Sarah Silverman and I actually feel an integral sensibility from her and I think and hope she'll get her show on a track that um, I think is more productive. But in the meantime, this is her at her best. And this is uh, where she's a guest star on a HBO comedy called Crashing. And Crashing is a really interesting show anyway and, and I think has a certain integral sensibility in that it is um, part of the new sincerity movement, if you will, in, in art, where um, it's okay to be, uh, you know, not ironic and to be sincere and to really care. And, you know, it's, an ant it's, a, it's a reaction against the sort of green, keep everything at a distance, super cool kind of thing. And it's really next. I mean, part of what Integral will bring on is this, new sincerity, I think, and this is a good example of it. It's uh, produced by Judd Apatow, and it stars a comedian, Pete Holmes, who plays himself, and he is this uh, white, blonde, upper Midwestern, nice Minnesota guy who is, you know, corn-fed and completely wholesome and religious, and, but he's got this comedy bug. And so he's in New York City after a divorce, a hysterical few episodes of all of that. Uh, and, and he's in New York and he's trying to make it as a stand-up. And, you know, the crowds don't get him and, and he's working it out. But he's funny and, and they keep sort of letting him do these free nights. He makes no money. And he makes, uh, he, he earns time on stage by handing out flyers on the street. And so he's handing out flyers in the street and Sarah Silverman comes up and says, you know, what are you doing? Who are you? And, and he tells her a bit about himself and she's intrigued, you know, because he's so unlike everybody she knows. And, uh, and she finally gets out of him that he's, he doesn't have anywhere to sleep that night. He's really just been thrown out of his last friend's apartment. And, um, and she convinces him that he's homeless. He thinks that homeless are another, is another category, but no, he's homeless. And she offers to let him stay at her place, which he does. And so they're talking in the next scene and he's telling her about, you know, what his comedy is and so forth. And she gets the idea that, you know, stand-up may not be the best thing for him, but what may be is for him to be a warm-up comic, which is these people who warm up a crowd before a live show. So there's the Rachel Ray show and the guy comes out, you know, 15 minutes before Rachel does and gets everybody all hepped up and happy and, you know, clapping and that sort of thing. And it's a real job and it pays well if you do it well. And, and she said, that's who you ought to be. And she happened to have 
a opening for him to go down and audition for the Rachel Ray show. So he goes down and through all these machinations of this comedy, uh, he actually gets to audition that day. He does it. He's a big hit. I mean, the, these people who are coming in from out of town from, you know, Iowa in the Midwest and all these older ladies and stuff, they just love him. He gets them up dancing and he's a little tidy bit cheeky with them, but it's all just terribly wholesome. And he's this big hit. And so they offer him another week and so forth. And so he's come back to Sarah Silverman's and she's sitting there watching TV with a couple friends and he walks in and she says, how'd it go? And he tells her, and she says, wait a minute, you, this is, this is like, we have a half a dozen days like this in our life. You just hit a home run. The heavens opened. You, you've got to do this again. You, you, you got to come in and you got to act like it went really badly so that we all feel really badly. And then you spring us on it that you're so happy and it worked and oh my God. So, okay, you got that. So she, she makes him go do that. And he does, and he does it beautifully. And they all happy cheer and everything. And so they have this big celebration. And so that leads us up to, this is the last scene of this episode. And, um, and it's her and him at a little bit of an after party um, out on the deck. So I go to share screen, do that, do that and do this. About five minutes. Hey. Hey. Is this okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so happy. I, I, I don't remember the last time I felt so good and silly and fun and right. And I did something that I'm good at that like felt like me. I really owe you big time. Oh, my joy. You know what I think? What's that? I think somebody earned a little tootie toot to loot on the weed pipe. I've never, I don't. You've never smoked pot? Uh, no. <laughs> I've oh. never smoked, yeah. Well, I don't want to push. I mean, I wouldn't, don't do it then, unless you want me to encourage you to. Okay, yeah, talk, talk me into it. Just have I a little, what's the big deal? Yeah. Just have a puff, uh, yeah. celebrate. Uh, you had a great day. What do I do? Press the button, suck it in, and then take it out and suck in again, like a second time. That's enough. You just smoked pot. I think, okay, thank you. Yes, put it down for a second. I feel kind of weird that I, I have something to tell you. I've never seen your, I've never seen your stand-up. Oh, that's okay. I feel weird. I, I, I thought maybe you'd be mad. I just. No, I don't care. Now I can use my jokes like in conversation with you, and you'll think I'm a genius. <laughs> I love stand-up. It's just I, I don't know if you know. Remember, I'm raised religious, and our community, you know, you make fun of Jesus. Who? <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. So you're a God person. Yes, I'm a God person. Aww. When does it work? In seconds. If you smoke too much, you can't go back. So just make okay. it a treat. Just have a little puff. I feel like I'm floating in honey. Is that, a, is that what the buzz is about? That's the buzz. That's what all you guys are like. Hey, put down a hacky sack. 
I have something to tell you guys. After a while, you stop needing to talk about the high. It's <laughs> like exist. <laughs> Is that a weird laugh? <laughs> These are nice, man. I should I shouldn't be sleeping on your couch. I should sleep out here. Wait a minute. You can't sleep here tonight. What? You've got a job. You're making hundreds of dollars a day. You've been sleeping on couches. You really want to sleep tonight with your head on a pillow filled with Steve's farts? No. Treat yourself. You're going to thank me for this. And that's sweet. That was funny. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love the um, sort of flex flow of it. You know, we talk about integral consciousness is having a, a flex flow. And Sarah Silverman definitely does. They all do in this show. Uh, they have this sense of observing themselves, that they're actors in their own play, that they can redo scenes, you know. Um, and, you know, you don't have to smoke pot, but here it is. And do you actually want me to talk you into it? Yeah, talk me into it, <laughs> you know. And when he didn't listen to ever see her stand up, she's like, that's okay. And when he tells her about Jesus, she said, oh, you're a God person. So there's this capacity to really just receive this other person. And, uh, and also to set limits. It's like, you're not staying here tonight. You know, you, you have to treat yourself and... and, and and so, you know, it really so beautifully, I think, expresses this sort of tension polarity, but, you know, a very uh, mutually productive one of this, uh, you know, finding your groove like he did, like Pete did in here. He's, his groove is that he is a warm-up comedian. And it, that's just so who he is. He's just so perfect at it. And, and, and how that the relationship with others and this matrix that he's in with others it, it, and you know sarah silverman comes in and just scoops him off the street and you know sort of smacks him into his uh next thing and it's i just found it quite lovely now unfortunately <laughs> in the future episodes it doesn't always turn out so well and i just i want to sh i want a show where it's, everybody just gets happier and happier i think that's kimmy schmidt Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> happily ever after. They just can't help them. I'm, I'm still into happily ever after. But anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's, that's uh, what I was wanting to share today. Thanks, folks. Corey, how you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. That was very, that was very, uh, that was very inspiring. Thank you. And yeah. You did a nice dose of inspiration. You know, it's funny when Sarah Silverman says... Uh, at some point, we learned to stop talking about the high. Right. I thought that was hilarious. And I think there's an integral analog to that, which is at some point, we tend to stop thinking so much about thinking. Yeah. Which is something that integrals do really, really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we love thinking about thinking. Yeah, um, we do. 
Yeah, so I, I, I really love the message in this. And, you know, it's interesting to me how there seems to be this, you know, almost like a spectrum. There's a spectrum to everything, right? And here we're talking about a spectrum of uniqueness. And, uh, you know, and that spectrum goes all the way from sort of like, you know, our, our ornaments of uniqueness. Like, you know, I've got my guitar in the background because I want you to know something about me. I've got Tom Servo hanging out there because, you know, there's some piece of my uniqueness that I want to come through and I'm probably compensating for various anxieties and I have a very unique way of doing that and all that. But deep down at its deepest core, what it feels like to me was, you know, a couple of weeks ago on Facebook, we had that whole um, uh, Me Too campaign, right? Where people were being very, uh, allowing themselves to be very vulnerable about some of the uh, painful experiences that they've had in their past. And what, it, what really stood out to me was that, you know, when I'm on Facebook day to day, <clears throat> all I really see is people's uniqueness, right? I'm seeing their unique thoughts. I'm seeing their unique experiences. I'm seeing, you know, their unique precious little kids, all of that. However, once people start coming from a place of vulnerability, that uniqueness almost takes, you know, a backseat to the union that we all feel. So it really, it was really, it, it foregrounded for me how we're unique through our strengths, but we're uni united through our vulnerabilities. Nice. Um, yeah. which, which I think is, is, is interesting. And then, you know, taking another step, you know, I, I think there's another aspect of this, which is, you know, there's a difference between being unique and being special, right? And when it comes to our specialness, I mean, it, it's, it's actually sort of interesting. I, 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 it's actually our unspecialness that makes us so damn special, right? Because it's like, you know, your birth, your existence is so incredibly unlikely like the odds against you existing is, uh, it, it, I mean, it, it's like infinity. How more. did it happen? That sperm just happened to get that. If, seriously, right? if, if your dad hiccuped on the way to the bedroom that one, <laughs> you know, fateful night, right? I'd be, I'd be talking to a different person right now. Yeah. And you know, and then I you've got that. billions of years. Your legacy is billions of years of evolution behind your back. You know, well, that's, that's I think, really important is, and I think, a cosmocentric view where we yeah. actually begin to realize that, wait a second, I'm having this Jeff experience here and now, but I'm trailing this long stream of karma that actually goes back to the Big Bang, honestly. Right. I mean, all, and, and I'm just the latest expression of that, and I'm moving in real time, too. Yep, and that's very special, and you're very special because of that just like every single one of us. Yeah, exactly. Right? Where that, yeah. that's, that's our union. We're united in our specialness, which yes. sort of by definition isn't very special because it's... it's, it's yes. Well, well that's, I, I think, what Rob was talking about. And I love that distinction of being um, unique but not exceptional. That's right. Well, and, and even, that, even that uniqueness is itself a, a constellation of universals. Right. I mean, it, it, it boggles my mind that we can have as much radical diversity in this universe as we do. And yet, you know, integral theory t shows us that the universe is really the ingredients of the universe is a handful of primary dualities. Right. It's like form and emptiness, singular and plural. Inside Plus and minus. And collective and light and dark. Yeah. You, take, right you take those simple you know, dualities and you can generate an entire cosmos out of yep. it. And, and not just a cosmos, it's, it's not a homogenous cosmos. It's a cosmos where every point in that cosmos is somehow 
unique. Yeah, and, exactly. And, 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 you know, how, what a gift it is to appreciate the uniqueness of another person. Absolutely. And really let that in. And, and, you know, do the windshield wiper thing on your own concepts of who they are. Yep. And just keep receiving them and receiving them. And that's, you know, a practice in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, it's like you said, the, the, the tension between us, the, the individual and the collective is just juices the whole thing uh, and, and keeps it going, mm-hmm. keeps, it, keeps it interesting. Yep. That's right. And uh, you notice I, I, I quoted a couple of things that people sent me and stuff, and I love getting stuff. So um, please um, send me uh, jeff at dailyevolver.com. You can send me a question or comment. Uh, you can also send me a voice memo that I might play. Uh, send me stuff you think I ought to cover. Uh, and You can send comments on the Daily Evolver Facebook yep. page. Yep. Um, and also, actually, in real time, if you're watching in real time, you can even do the chat function. Yeah. And that is, um, and how do they do that, Corey? Well, let's, let's double click that, Jeff, because I would love to see more sort of audience participation in these calls. So if you ever want to add your voice to hers, if you have any comments or questions and you want to ask us in real time, uh, you've got a couple choices. So if you're watching this on the integrallife.com slash live page, you should see a link right underneath the uh, main video player that will get you into the Zoom app, which is where we're actually having these conversations. Uh, and then you can actually do one of two things. You can either submit a question through the FAQ or you can raise your hand. There's a button you can click that says raise your hand and that'll let us know that you want us to actually call on you. And then we can turn on your video and your audio and you can ask the question. We can have some real time uh, back and forth, which is, it's, it's always a lot of fun when we do that. Um, Jeff, I've always thought it was cool that, you know, it seems like 50% of the times that we've done that, the, uh, the callers were actually in other countries, which I think I is, is, is I a know. cool reminder that this is a global blog. I know. Isn't that something, you know, yeah. So, yeah. what a world. All right. Well, thanks so much, Corey. You guys have fun at the Munchkin Parade. Yeah, man. Hope to see you down there. Yeah. And thanks everybody. Happy Halloween and uh, see you tomorrow. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.